Hey, everybody. Uh, let me just say Merry Christmas. It's hard to say Merry Christmas because it's like in Colorado today, it's like 60 degrees outside. But people have had decorations and presents up in my neighborhood like, like for two months. So Merry Christmas. Um, hey, I got a lot of questions about, uh, about Christmas. I've, we've got newspapers calling us and uh, we got emails and all this kind of going. So the question is on, on the 19th and 20th of December, are you guys going to open? Uh, because if you're, if you're not in Colorado, a lot of Colorado is shut down and a lot of people are going under hardship because we had some spikes. And so let me just answer this. Our plan is for December 19th and 20th, we are going to open our campuses on a limited basis. We're adding a lot of extra services on there. Uh, the way that you register for that is you go to uh, flatironschurch.com slash Christmas, and there'll be a Christmas service uh, RSVP place right there, and we need to know uh, who's coming so we can plan accordingly. Also, uh, all of our campuses are gonna be open, but some will have different levels of, of like children's ministry, so you can kind of lean in there, and it'll have all the descriptions of that. But uh, whether you come uh, to one of our campuses or join us online, uh, we're going to celebrate the birth of Christ together. I'm, I'm going to answer a, a, a big question that I get probably more than anything else. And, uh, and here's what I, I know, no matter how I answer this question, uh, I'm going to get shot from both sides. So I had to just make a decision. Leadership had to make a decision. Okay, if we're going to get shot, uh, who are we going to get shot by and who are we going to take care of? Um, why are we doing this? Uh, the answer is because um, we're trying to make the wisest decisions and keep people the safest. And uh, we believe it's actually uh, a greater risk for us not to meet on this special uh, moment of the year, Christmas weekend. Uh, this is a time of, of the year. We just had our 10th suicide. Uh, and I'm not talking about across the state. I'm talking about in our community called Flatterns this past week. And the, the, the reason is because of what we just saying about there's some people just like, I need some hope. And if I can stand in a campus or in a living room and share, be connected to some people. If I get to stand in my church with my church family with a candle in my hand and sing Silent Night, that, that's all I need to, to get through the next, the next season. So we're gonna do that. And I know it opens up to a lot of criticism and things like that. Um, we prayed about it. We really, I, I don't say that lightly. We've tried to weigh up the risk re reward. And so at least for that weekend, December 19th and 20th, uh, we are gonna be hosting Christmas. And I, I can't wait. It's one of the famous, uh, or my favorite moments of uh, of the year. So again, flatterschurch.com slash Christmas, and then you can reserve your spot there, okay? Hey, uh, like I said, uh, it's Christmas, and today we're obviously, we are kicking off a, a, a series, a three-week series leading up to that Christmas weekend, where we're going to be centering our thoughts and unpacking an announcement, a very famous announcement, that some angels made to some shepherds who were out in the field, first announcing that God ha has had kept his promise all through the Bible. I, I promise I'm going to do this. He kept his promise to send a Savior. His name is Christ the Lord, and where you can find that baby named Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger right over there in a little town called Bethlehem. So an angel announced that to some shepherds and then this happens, look at this. And suddenly there was with that angel a multitude, like a bunch of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So we're gonna dig into that. We're gonna dig into that announcement and what it means for us today. But, but when, listen, when I say that this is a, a Christmas series, many times I, I think that when we, when we look at Christmas, and probably it happens at other times in the year, but, but probably especially Christmas, I think we're like, and again, it's probably unconscious, like, oh, it's Christmas, and we call a timeout from like regular teaching or, or normal stuff that we talk about with God and think, now for something totally different. Let's talk about like this magical moment, the story of Christmas. And listen, while, while the events around the Christmas story are certainly not normal or ordinary, they are, I'm gonna use this word, they are very typical 
of the way that God always has and always will work in the lives of people in the past and in ours. And so, so while we ended, I guess you call that, our series called Revival last week, where we unpacked where, where the, that God promises to come down in our direction to bring healing and forgiveness when his people humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from wickedness and sin in his direction, the truth is this Christmas series is just more of that. It's more of God doing the same, the same thing. Let's look back at that announcement again that the angels gave, right? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it starts with like the angels are like saying, okay, could I have your attention? You're about to find out how wonderful your God is. Glory to God in the what? In the highest, right? He's the highest, all right? And then watch what God is doing this night in Bethlehem, all right? He's bringing peace. Where? Down. He's bringing peace down to earth. Why? Because of his goodwill toward us, towards men, Women towards people, right? Other versions that I read growing up translate that last part a little different, but it means the same. It's a little clearer. Look at this. Glory to God in the highest heaven, same thing, and on earth peace, now look at this, to those on whom his favor rest. And what we see is, is that, that, that goodwill toward men and those on his, to whom his favor rests, they're the same people. It's us. But when you combine them all together, you find out the reason that God is, is doing what he's doing that night in Bethlehem. It goes like this. Because the God, who is the most glorious, most God, high God, has found favor with you, he's about to do something out of that goodness. He's literally physically, shepherd boys, listen, and you can find out who I'm talking about. He's over in a manger in Bethlehem. But let me tell you what God is doing. He's doing this. He's leaving heaven letting go of that, coming down in your direction, and is, look at this, he's willing good. That's what it means, goodwill. He's willing good in your direction. What are you talking about? His name is Jesus. And what will you find in that, that Jesus? What can Jesus offer you? Peace on earth. Peace. So I'm, I'm, I'm gonna geek out on you a little bit because uh, I went back this week and kind of tore those verses up and some were written in Greek and some were written in Hebrew and I got really cool books that show me how to do this, all right? But I did a word study because peace, all right, if you take the Greek uh, original word and combine it with uh, the Hebrew version of the word that's used in other parts of the Bible, peace actually translates this way. It's the way of peace, the way of peace. So Jesus brings not only the possibility of you having peace in your life, but he also says, I, I'm the way. I can provide you the way for you to have peace in your life. And then that original Hebrew word of, uh, of, the, of, of the word peace is shalom. We've talked about this before. It means complete, whole, lacking nothing. It's like a state of being and living your life and it lines up with what God had in mind for you when he, when he created you. It's, it's, it's that peace. It's all good. And if you put all that together and someone were to ask you, like, what's, what, what is Christmas? What's the true meaning of Christmas? The answer would be this. Good God is doing what he always does. In this case, look at this. Good God is keeping his promise to leave his most high position to come down in our direction so that we might receive and experience the gift of a life. A life that's described with words like peace and whole and lacking nothing. Peace on earth. That's why he's here. Now, Hang on to that. If you keep reading the story of the shepherds and the angels, right after that announcement, the shepherds like have a meeting out there in this field and it's like unanimous, let's go see this glorious thing that's come to pass, all right? And they did, and they go to Bethlehem, and after they'd seen it, they, after they'd seen Jesus, ah, 
in person, like face to face, their first response, the Bible says, is they left glorifying and praising God. And their other response was this, and I'm gonna quote it right out of here, is they made known abroad everything that they knew about Jesus, which wasn't much. They just met him, all right? But they just couldn't keep their mouth shut about it. Now, now okay, time out. I, I, I wanna read to you the next line that I originally put in my manuscript. I'm sitting in my office and I'm typing this regarding the shepherds, okay? Because um, this is what I do. I'm just like, it's like a continuous train of thought. So this is what I originally wrote down in, in my talk following what I just said. Seeing Jesus change them, the shepherds, and I think it would be safe to say that their lives were never, never gonna be the same. And, right, and I assume that I, as I read that, or you read it off the screen, wherever you are in your home or wherever you're reading this, you're, I bet you're nodding your heads in agreement, like, right? I mean, yeah, that has to change your life. After, after seeing and experiencing something like that, right? Like, this doesn't happen all the time. Angels, all right, announcing that God had put on flesh and was lying in a manger, and he would grow up to be the savior that God had promised. He's the one who would bring forgiveness and peace between us and God, between us and one another, between us and our own broken selves, whole, complete, lacking nothing. To have that kind of gift offered to you would have to change your life, wouldn't it? And I want to say, yeah, but it would just be an assumption, because we never, we never know. We never hear from those shepherds again. And I mean, we can make some cool stuff up. And one of the shepherds, boy, boy, he grew up to become Peter, the disciple who, who uh, started the first church and baptized 3,000 people. But I don't know. We, we never find out how that face-to-face -face interaction with Jesus changed or didn't change anything about their lives. Which got me to thinking about this. The, the most high God of the universe was bowing down in these, these guys' direction and offering the gift of peace in the most important parts of their lives. And then whatever happened next in their lives had to be tied directly to whether or not they received or accepted the gift or didn't. What do you mean, received, did or didn't? I mean, the question comes, how could you not? How could, how could anyone refuse or not accept that kind of gift? I know, right? I mean, this is what, if you're like me, you're thinking, if I, if I was one of those shepherd boys, I know what I would have done. Really? So, so let me ask you a question, all right? Have, have, you, ever, have you ever met a, a really bad gift getter? I'm not talking about a bad gift, gift giver. We all, we've all met him or her, right? The one who re-gifts last year's Christmas presents or the wedding presents that they hated, they wrap it up and gave it to you. The, the husband who thinks that cleaning supplies and equipment make a great gift for the wife. All right, that's not true, guys, all right? The woman who, who knows what her man wants but decides to get him what he actually needs, something more practical and off-brand and on sale, all right, all right? I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about a bad gift giver. I'm talking about a, a bad gift getter, all right? Follow me. I'm talking about the person who, when they are offered a gift, they either refuse it or accept it, but even if they do, you're pretty sure they hate it and they're disappointed in it and you, and you feel like, well, that was a waste of time and money and effort because it, I'm just gonna give it to them, it's gonna end up in the back of their closet or in the next donation bag, right? We've all done that. <laughs> so I started asking myself a question, and I think you'll figure, figure out that this entire line of thought is really more of a spiritual metaphor, and you're gonna figure this out, but, but here's the question. What, what would make someone refuse a gift that is offered to them? What, what would make them do that? And I came up with a... A few reasons, I'm sure that you can add your own, all right? But here's, the, here's my list. Um, why would somebody say no to a gift? How about this? 
because their hands are full, right? In other words, I'm holding on to so many other things that I'm, I'm not sure that I have room for one more thing. Or, or the way we've been saying it around here is more like this. I'm, I'm not willing to lay down what I currently have to take hold of something new and unknown, even if it comes in beautiful wrapping paper. I don't know, and I get it. I get it. When I, so when I was a little kid, I'm gonna say this several times because it's Christmas, all right? But when I was a little kid, there used to be this game show called Let's Make a Deal. And they've remade it a few times, but this was like the, the, the first one. Monty Hall would be there and he would, he would offer people like deals, like to swap out if they had something in their purse or if they had something in their wallet. Hey, I would trade you if you'll give me that, you can have what's behind curtain number one or curtain number two. And it could be, I mean, it could be a new car. It could be a room full of furniture. It could be a trip on a, to an exotic location. Or it could, be, uh, it could be a bag of trash. It could be a, a donkey or something like that. And then the audience member had to decide if it was worth risking giving up what they had for what could be fantastic and, and, and better. Or they know what they have here and if I go for the unknown, it might leave me disappointed and looking stupid and foolish. So they had to decide, deal or no deal. My hands are full. So hang on to that one. So reason number two, someone would say, I don't, I don't want that gift. How about this? There's a catch. Have you ever had um, someone offer you something and your first response was, yeah, what's, what's the catch here? Like, why, why, why are you offering me a gift like that? Like, what's the real agenda here? Because this has to come with strings, right? And what we're, what we're really saying or thinking unconsciously is this. I don't trust you. I don't trust the giver. I'll, I'll give you an example of this, all right? So have you ever, I'm saying that a lot today, all right? Have you ever been to one of those all-inclusive resorts like uh, where I check in, you know, and it's like uh, uh, they set up a special, they try to get you to set up a special meeting, like a, a tour to show you their, their vacation club package. They used to call it timeshare, but everybody kind of got clued into that. They don't call it that anymore. Now it's a vacation club, all right? And, and last year, Rob and I, we were in, in Mexico and we got hit hard, all right? And they were promising that, hey, hey, Jim and Robin, if you just take one hour out of your whole time, one hour on Tuesday, you can get, it was our, it was our wedding anniversary, we'll give you a wedding anniversary dinner on the beach with servants. Um, you can get two extra nights free at any of our resorts in the world, and we'll throw in an extra massage for both of you on, on your anniversary. And it sounded like almost too good to be true. Because it was, all right? And, and in a moment of weakness, we were like, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. It's just an hour, right? So we signed up. And so that Tuesday, for several hours, we were shown like the red carpet. We were shown how like we can, we can enjoy the best vacations in the best places on the planet, how we were, how we were smart, you know. We, we, we were getting in on something that most people don't know about, this exclusive hidden treasure, but we're special. And then at the end, right, they sat us down at the, at the desk and they showed us all the prices, all right, and how we could finance that over the next 150 years. And, and I'll be honest with you, <laughs> It's not going to be a surprise. I'm a sucker for shiny stuff. I'm like, oh, a squirrel, right? All right, I love like that. And I, I'm looking over at Robin, who's looking at me with, with one of those, say no, and let's get out of here and go to the pool. So I look back at Enrico, and I say, hey, buddy, thanks. We're going to need to pass. But Enrico is not done. And he's really good at his job. And he lays it on thick. And he gives us like secret access to an even better price. And I'm thinking, this could be awesome. And, and Robin's like giving me the no look. 
And so I say, thanks, Enrico, all right? And, and uh, we, we just can't right now. And then Enrico lays like the, the grand finale. Enrico's good, all right? He says this, Senor Jim. So all my accents sound the same. I'm sorry, all right? Senor Jim, I have spent the last two hours with you and have passed up many opportunities to make money, right? And I spend it with you, and I only get paid if I make a sale. And then, oh, then he goes, and then I have a familia at home and many, many, many little ninos, and one of my little ninos is sick. And I look over at Robin with a babe. He has a sick nino, and Robin with her cold, hard heart gives me like this death look, which means, Jim, you're sleeping by the pool for the rest of the week unless we get out of here. So, so I'm like, that wins. So I look at Enrico, and I go, sorry, adios. And, we, and, and when we leave, and he took back all the free gifts. Nothing's free, right? So our hands are full, and we can't or we won't accept the gift, and then we don't trust the one giving us the gift. Here, let me give you another one. Here's, here's the third one. How about this one? We don't feel worthy. We don't feel worthy to receive the gift. Again, have you ever been given something, and then when you open it, your first response was ah, shame or guilt? Ah. Because maybe you know that the gift that you just opened is much better than the, the crappy gift that you're about to give them and you're embarrassed by it. Or how about because maybe you know that you don't deserve to receive such a gift, especially from the person that's given it to you because if that person found out the things that you had said and done behind their back, you're pretty sure they never would have given you something like that and you wouldn't blame them. Or how about, how about this one? I, I, was gonna, I was actually gonna put this in a fourth category, but I actually think it fits here if you just dig down into it, all right? Have you ever been offered a gift or been offered uh, something and, and, and you refused it because to accept it, it would make you feel like you're a charity case? You know what I'm talking about? And while it's true, man, I could really use that gift to admit that uh, or accept it would, would wound your pride and, and your ego, so you'd rather refuse it than admit that you need it. Now, I'll, I'll, give you a, I'll give you an example of this, all right? And I use this example with his permission. We talked a lot about this week. But I, I want to talk about Ben, our teaching pastor, who's also my son-in-law, okay? In case you haven't done that math, all right? But in, in 2014, I wrote, I wrote a book um, called No More Dragons. And in that, I, I talk about different ministry and church experiences throughout the years, growing up as a kid and then over the last several decades, and how many churches, really zoned in on this, how many churches tend to respond when truly broken, messy people show up at their church. And it usually doesn't go well. But also, I talked a lot about this. I talked about the story of my family, Robin and Allison and, and Jordan, and in our struggles as a family and in ministry over the last like 30 years together. And when the, the book was published, this is what happens. The, the publisher gave me a financial advance of a few thousand dollars, all right? It's not, it's not it wasn't many, many thousands. It was just, but it was a lot to us, all right? So, so Robin and I talked about it and we decided because this book was based on our family's experiences and how we had gone through all of those years together Rob and I decided, let's just split the money from the book between the two kids, right? And I was, I was so excited. I was really excited to sit down with each of them because I knew, right? I remember when I was a young married couple and finances were really, really, really tight. I knew this would really, really help. Our, our motivation to, to give this gift was to bless our children, okay? All right? But I, I, I remember offering the money to, to, to Ben and Allie. And a couple of days later, Ben walks into my office and says, hey, hey, uh, we, we can't, I can't accept it. I said, why? And he says, I'm kind of on this journey to be the provider for my family, and this feels like it would interfere with that journey. 
And I, I said, okay, Ben, listen, I, I don't fully understand, but I'll, I'll respect your boundaries. And I, I, I respected those boundaries for almost two days, all right? And then, and then I said, hey, 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 Ben, can we talk? I said, Ben, you suck at gift getting. You're really bad at it. And you've stolen the joy of us finally, we haven't always been able to do this, to finally be in a place to bless our children. Let me talk some more, but, but years later, I remember talking to Ben about that moment and he admitted it, yeah. I, I, that was all about my pride and my insecurity and my need to prove to everybody, especially myself, that I could make it on my own. And I didn't need any help, even if I did, and we did. And then the other day we were talking about this in my office before I, I brought this to stage, and, he, and this is what he said verbatim. He says, Jim, I was hardcore. I'd rather fail than ask you or anybody else for help. I was raised, if you don't earn it, you don't get it, and you don't take it. And ben and I sat in my office the other day talking about that conversation. I asked him, does that show up in other parts of your life too? Like, does it ever show up in your relationship with God? And he didn't even pause. He said, every day, every day I have to fight. Every day, try not, try not to earn God's grace, to, to fight against, how about this, believing that my sin is too big for even God's extravagant gift of grace. Now, I, I would say this, right? I, I would say, Ben is a much better gift getter today. And, and I would say it's not because he needs financial help or something like that, but because he's now experienced the joy of being able to bless his own kids. And I know those three little kids pretty well. They're my grandkids, all right? And I promise on Christmas morning, not one of them will look back at their parents and either refuse the gift, it's just too much, Dad, it's too extravagant, and I promise that none of them are gonna say, okay, I'll go get a job and I'll pay you back, Mom and Dad, for the presents that I opened this morning. And not one of you would consider those kids to be selfish or weak or needy. Because they didn't, ref, you know, they didn't refuse the presence or, or try to pay their parents back. You just do the math in your head and go, that's just the way it's supposed to be. Right? Yeah. But we sure do that when it comes to God. Right? When God offers us in Jesus. Again, I don't know what the shepherds did with the gift of peace that was offered to them that night through Jesus. But I'm just going to ask an intrusive question. What have you done? What have you done with the same gift offered to you in the past or even right now in this moment as you're listening to my voice? Because the gift of, of peace with God by putting your faith in Jesus is just as real and just as available now, I would even say even more so now, than it was 2,000 years ago on a night outside of Bethlehem. And, and what that gift includes is even more obvious now because the shepherds didn't know then what we know right now. That that baby does grow up. He is the son of God. He shows us uh, what, what God is like and he teaches us what, 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 what God like, loves in our direction. And then, then he, voluntarily, he voluntarily takes our sin and our mistakes upon himself and is crucified on a cross, buried in a tomb, and on the third day rose from the dead as proof that what those angels told the shepherds would happen, all right? Spoiler alert, it would happen. It did happen. It already happened. We, we can look back and know that. Meaning, the promise of what Jesus could bring has been proven to be true. You, you can have peace on earth, peace with God, peace in your own soul, finally. But it all comes down to whether or not you choose to accept and receive the gift that's being offered. And why would you not do that? Well, this is good. Are your hands full? Do you have such a tight grip on the things that you currently have, even though you know they aren't working and it's not helping? 
And, and, and they just won't last. Right? Are, are you pretending that those things really aren't true? That, that things are just gonna get better? That this is just a season? How long have you said this is just a season? And then eventually you just have this idea that peace is just gonna magically break out on its, in your life on its own. And so you're just holding on to the wrong thing. How about this? Are you thinking, are you thinking that there's a catch? That you risk losing more than you'll gain if you were to take the, take the Jesus deal, the gift of following his way of peace? Are you having a, a hard time trusting Jesus? But it's not because of Jesus. Because you have a history of being burnt by the church and Christians and people who claim to be his followers. Is that what, is that what's in the, getting in the way? Because I get that. Is it, is it possible that you believe that what Jesus offers to do really he means what he offers and is willing to do for other people, but probably not you. Everybody but you. Either because of your past or even present track record. Do you think that maybe you don't have the right to ask for this gift, let alone accept it if he were to offer it? Do you, do you, do you suck at being a gift getter because to admit that you need Jesus messes with your pride and ego because to say that you need Jesus now means this, is that up to this point in your life without him, it hasn't been what it could have been or should have been. To say you need Jesus might mean you have to admit that you were wrong about some stuff, some decisions and choices you've made in the past. That just feels weak and embarrassing and shameful sometimes, doesn't it? All right, so I'm gonna ask you a weird question. It's gonna, it's gonna like come out of nowhere, right? And I'll tie it back in. You gotta listen to the whole thing. Don't turn the TV off, okay? So, did you know that contrary to what you may have heard, ready? We are not all God's children. I've heard that all my life. I've sung songs about that all my life. All God's children, right? But you know what? It's not in the Bible anywhere I've looked. Now, let me make it really clear, okay? We are all God's image bearers. We are all made in his likeness. We are all spiritual beings, eternal beings, but, but that's not the same as being his children. But but it does make it possible. So, so listen to this. We're gonna look at a couple of different places in the Bible where a guy named John, who's one of Jesus' like best friends, took care of his mom after he was crucified. This is what he says that when, when Jesus, this is what happened when Jesus entered the world and what the world or people's response to the gift that was being offered to them from, from God, all right? This is John, he writes, the true light, that's Jesus, right? Which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He, Jesus, was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came, Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive, he was offered, they didn't receive him. Look at this, but to all who did receive him, who believed, that's faith, in his name, he gave the, what's the word? He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will, I love that word, the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but the will of God, right? He came to his own people, and they didn't receive him, why? Why didn't they receive Jesus back then? Same as today, their hands were full with something else that they weren't willing to let go of. They didn't trust him. He sounded too good to be true. I mean, I mean, this is how they grew up. Some of us grew up this way. God helps them who helps themselves and who measure up and who prove that they're good enough. And there has to be a catch. God cannot be that good. God cannot be that loving and forgiving. So that kept some people away. 
But look at verse 12 again. Look. But to all who did receive him, some didn't, but those who did receive him, who believed by faith in his name, he gave the, there it is, he gave the right to become something that they weren't, to become, some, to become children of, of God. Now, please, please hear me on this. See, if you, if you think that you're too far gone, I've been there, uh, you're beyond saving, beyond grace, that you don't have a right to ask God for anything. I get it, right? But God's word says that, right, this isn't flattering, this isn't me, this is Jesus. If you'll just put your faith and trust in Jesus as best you can and accept his grace and forgiveness and peace, whether you deserve it or not, and hands in the middle, none of us deserve it. But God, God declares and gives you the right to become not just flawed, forgiven image bearers of God, better than that, his child. And that would be enough, wouldn't it? But wait, listen to what comes, comes with that gift and you won't believe it because I've read this a thousand times and even this week as I was writing this, I, I read it over and over because it makes me think, am I, am I, is this too good to be true? Am I, am I reading this right? But listen to what John writes years later. He says, see, the, grew up, the version I grew up with was behold, all right? Behold what kind of love the Father has given us. Just think about the kind of love God's given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are, that is what we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Hold on to that. Beloved, that's us. We are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But this is the reread part of life. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him, anybody who hopes, just think about it, everyone who thus hopes in him, that way, purifies himself as Jesus is pure. You gotta, you gotta let that sink in. You gotta push rewind a few times or, or look this up in your own Bible, all right? You gotta let it sink. The first gift that God gave us at Christmas, culminating in what Jesus did for us on that cross and rising from the dead on Easter, what we have and see in that Jesus gives us Peace on earth, peace with God. And we now have the right, he gives us the right to be called children of God. But that's not the finished project. I mean, that'd be enough, but there's more, right? Not compared to what, what we will be that has not yet a, appeared. But the next time, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that, but the next time that we see Jesus as he is, not in a manger and not on a cross, as he is, he says this, the, the effect on our lives will be We'll, we'll be like him. We'll be like him. And I geeked out and looked it up. Like, and just, we'll be just like him. And I have no idea what that means. I have no idea what to be fully just like him means. But I'll bet it's better than anything I could imagine. It's, it's so good. Listen, it's so good that John, the guy who writes that part, he says this, that everyone who, who has that hope in them, Right, hope in Jesus, the result is it, it, it does something to it. It purifies us. Again, like, like what? Like Jesus is pure, we're, we're like him. And again, I don't, I don't fully understand or grasp what that all means. And again, so I, I geeked out on it a little bit and I did a word study on the word purifies. And purify, the Greek word is hognizo. Wow, all right? It means this, to set apart and make holy a priest 
All right, indeed, everybody who's part of the chosen people. So it's set apart the family of God, the children of God. Why? To prepare them for doing something. It's called divine service. Now, let me tie last, this last series together into this. I love what Ben taught us last week. Remember this? Blessed people, blessed people. Blessed people, blessed people. And I think that leads right into this. Blessed people become blessed people by accepting and receiving the gift offered to them through Jesus. That's why we're blessed. People, people who accept the gift of Jesus have the right to be called children of God. And children of God who put their hope in seeing Jesus become pure like Jesus. And then pure children of God who are like Jesus serve those who need peace on earth because we're like him. Glory to God in the highest. So it's for his glory Right? God gets all the, all the credit, peace on earth, goodwill towards men for their benefit. Who's? Those who need peace. Glory to God for our benefit. So I'm guessing, I'm, I'm guessing, listen, most of us can get on board with that. All right? It makes sense, at least on a theoretical basis, right? And we're nodding our heads going, yeah, that's a good idea, right? But we don't want to be consumer Christians, Gimme, 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 right? We don't want to be a, a consumer church. Who, we, we, we don't want to be people who come to church or watch church. Here's things that make sense and we agree with, and they might even make us feel better, but then we don't want to be the people who like, okay, that's over, turn the channel, or pack up our stuff and go out and then not make that truth a part of our lives. We want to be different than that. So, so what would it look like to put this teaching into practice? Because this is what Jesus said over and over. The difference between a wise person and a foolish person is that the wise person takes and listens to what Jesus says and puts them into practice. And his life, it says, stands up to the storms of life. And then the foolish person doesn't disagree with Jesus, probably nods his head right beside the wise person. But the difference is, is that the, the foolish person doesn't do anything with what Jesus says. He just goes on about his life. And that person's house, his life, her life, whatever, falls apart every time a storm hits. So what, so what would it look like to put into practice, bless people, bless people? Children of God are like Jesus when they do the things that Jesus would do. And let me tie both of those truths into this Christmas series, all right? The, the, best way, the best way to glorify God in the highest, it hasn't changed in 2,000 years, is to bring peace where peace is absent. This was in the very first teaching that Jesus did on that Sermon on the Mount. Remember this? He said this. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. And, and that could translate peace bringers. Blessed are those who bring peace where there's no peace. For they shall be called children, sons, daughters of God. So, so how can we bring peace on earth this Christmas where there is no peace? Well, let's go back. I'm going to geek out some more to the definition of peace or shalom. And it means this, whole, lacking nothing, complete. So, so just thinking right now. So as we look around at our current world and look for places that are not whole, that are lacking, right? They don't have enough. There is no peace there. I mean, think about it. The list can get pretty long pretty fast. So where do we start? Well, Let's start with Jesus. That always seems like a good idea. In the, in, the, in the last words that Jesus spoke on, on earth before he ascended back to his father, he, he had them all on the top of this mountain and he, and he instructed his followers. He says, I want you to be witnesses. I want you to tell the story. I want you to be proclaimers of my message of truth and grace and peace everywhere. But then he broke it down very specifically into three distinct areas. I might even say kind of, hey, 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 church, this, progressively this is how it needs to look. He says this. He says, but you, and they, you is us, is what he says, right? So my people, you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and that's happened, and you will be my witnesses, now look at this, in Jerusalem, that's the city they were, that happened in, and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of, of the earth. So if we kind of look at all that, that's like concentric circles, all right, and then, or, or kind of ripples in a pond going out, and in, in the middle, you would, you would put um, like Jerusalem, so he's saying, so you'll be my witnesses here in Jerusalem and, and then to all of Judea and Samaria. And that's like the state or the country, the nation uh, around them that they were living. And then he says, and then I want you to go on to the ends of the earth. And so let me bring that into our context, okay, or wherever you're watching from, all right? I would picture it more like this. Jerusalem becomes home. Just start at home. And then you go bigger. You go local, state, country. And then you go international. So I want to throw something out to you. And I'm, I'm kind of nervous about it. It might be one of the biggest asks I've ever done. All right. So, so two years ago, um, we raised over $400,000 with absolutely no notice for single moms and hurting families. And we bought over 75 cars and gave them away and changed some lives. Remember that? It was a moment. And we didn't know you. We didn't even plan it. We planned it like a week out. All right. And then last year, Again, without much notice, we raised over $600,000. We launched a, a campus in, in Lyman Prison, right, with God Behind Bars. We hosted All is Bright, this amazing Christmas party we had inside of our prison for about 30 inmates and their families, some of those dads meeting their children for the first time or the first time in many, many years. We watched all that together, and we bawled our heads off, right, because lives, we saw lives changing, so I'm going to throw something out. <laughs> Mouth's drying out. I'm a little nervous about it. I, Flatters, I'm going to throw out what might be the biggest. Hey, are we serious about this? About this revival thing and being used by God? Are we willing to humble ourselves and let go of our old plans to pick up new, better ones from God that he's bringing to us? Are we willing to try something that is so big and so hard and so huge it's destined to fail unless God is behind it? And if so, I want to throw this out. Throw out a challenge. And you're flattering, I know what you're going to do. In the, in the next three weeks, let's combine last year's and the year before, let's give away a million dollars. Let's give away a million dollars. And what do you mean give away? I mean, you, you can check our books in January. We're not going to keep a dime of this. We're going to give it all, all the way. We'll give it away. And here's how we're going to give it. We're going to follow those three concentric circles or ripples, okay? First, um, let's start on the outside here, okay? So if you... And I'll explain how you're gonna do this in a minute, but our international partners, the whole world's been hit by COVID, right? And, and people all over the world are suffering, but our, our partners have a lot of the giving and the donating, Flatters has kept up their, their, their giving, but a lot of them have their, 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 their donations and their givings have gone away and they're having to cut programs and services. Like Life in Abundance, our partner in South Sudan, right? Um, and Sozo in Afghanistan, they have desperate needs. They're just trying to feed, feed their people and find funds or they'll have to start closing up the schools and the, the clinics that we, that we launched over there several years ago. But if we were to raise a million dollars, let me tell you what we're gonna do with it. Um, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna feed a half a million people with a family food pack. It's on delay when we're gonna do it, but we're gonna raise the money for that now. And we're gonna all get together at our campuses and we're gonna pack up a half a million uh, uh, 
meals for, for families all, all over those countries as soon as we're allowed to get together. And, and not only that, but we'll also shore up all of our other international partners so they can keep on going and our schools will stay open and our ministries will keep going and our clinics will keep treating. And you know what will happen? Peace will come on earth where there is no peace. I'm gonna tell you how to do that in a minute. The next two choices, uh, we're gonna talk more about that in the next two weeks, but the, one, the, the next one is supporting our, like our, our, our local partners. Um, such as some of our, our like Open Door and 180, they, they're, 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 they, they treat men and women with, with addictions. Uh, some, some of our food pantries up and down the, the, the front range, our, our, our Colorado uh, uh, initiative to, to help foster families and foster parents and get kids into good, good homes. We're gonna, we wanna shore all that up. But this year, we're gonna go an extra mile and we're gonna, we're gonna include feeding and serving our frontline workers in hospitals up and down the front range as they fight COVID. We're trying to find a way to, to get involved in the lives of the firefighters who, who fought those fires in Colorado for all those weeks. Some of those residents who have lost everything. We're going, how can we help? You know what'll happen? Peace will come on where there is no peace. So are you just trying to raise money? I am, all right? Another, when I was a kid, one of my favorite shows was Gilligan's Island. It's a classic, all right? But one of my favorite quotes from Gilligan's Island was there were these millionaires that were stranded with him too. And the lady's name was Mrs. Howell who said, whoever, whoever said money can't buy happiness doesn't know where to shop. And I think that's kind of funny. You know, but listen, I know that. Money can't buy happiness. But a million dollars can bring a lot of peace and hope and food and encouragement where there is none right now. True? And then on Christmas weekend, two weeks from now, I can't wait. I want to talk to you about what God is doing and has been doing through God Behind Bars over the last year. Their plan to get, we want to feed a half a million people. They plan to get the gospel of peace into one and a half million inmates in the next year. And if we raise that million dollars, we can play a huge part in it and peace will come where there is no peace more on that now listen okay all right i i'm sure again i can't look through their tv but i'm pretty sure that everybody agrees that raising and pointing a million dollars and covering all those needs is great yeah praise god jim that's a good idea great it can't stop there jesus didn't stay in heaven and agree and nod his head that there's some people that need help and someone somewhere ought to do something about that no, he said, I, I, me. He rearranged his life on our behalf for our benefit, which is why we have God in our lives, why we have peace in our lives. It's also why we give him all the glory. Now, if we are able to see Jesus like that, as he is, then the result of that is that we somehow, according to what John wrote in the Bible, somehow we become more like him. And then the more we become like him, the more we do the same things that he does. And you gotta think about the other side of that. And if we're not becoming more like him and we're not doing the things that he does, then we're not really seeing him as he is, right? I mean, both have to be true. So Jesus prayed for us and we should pray for our partners, people up and down the front range. We should do that, right? But then Jesus got up off his knees and walked up a hill and sacrificed his life to be the answer for what he had just prayed God took care of. He's the answer for what people needed. And if we do really see Jesus like that, then we have to sacrifice and bring peace where there is no peace, right? It just makes sense. And, and, and we can't die for anybody. We wouldn't do any good, but we can live. We can't spend our lives on their behalf. Why? Because we've seen him. We've seen Jesus. And we're blessed. You are. 
And blessed people, blessed people. And the point of Christmas is bringing peace on earth. We can partner up with Jesus and be peace bringers. We'll be called sons and daughters of God. And we can do that. And it's really, really easy, okay? So over the next three weeks, all right? So, I'm, I, so you have regular giving to, to Flatirons, and that just, just keep on doing that, right? Over the next three weeks, on our website, on our app, all right, you can go there and it'll say Christmas giving. Christmas giving. And you just hit on that, and, and you can look at all the partners and everything we're gonna be doing that, and then you can give directly to that Christmas giving. We're gonna raise a million dollars, and we're gonna change parts of the world we're going to bring peace on earth the other thing you can do and and this just kind of went live i think yesterday you can actually look at this you can text the word christmas to giving and that's on your keypad that's how you spell giving they told me that all right but i also found out in your in the text address you just type in the word giving and and then you it'll say how much do you want to give and then you'll type that in and then they'll take you through the whole those steps it's very easy you can get out your phone right now and do it you know what i would say this <laughs> I, was, no, I was gonna say vote often but i don't think we can say that today's world so sorry anyway um i would say i, w- I would go to that website every day i would go to that app every day and go okay god i gave i gave ten dollars yesterday but it's not it yet and then Thursday, God, it's not yes. Here's, a, here's another hundred. Here's, a, here's another. Here's a, here's a, God, I don't know why I'm doing this. Here's a, here's a thousand dollars. I don't, it's Christmas. This is the thing that blows me away about flat irons is when everything says it can't be done and it won't work, not in this season. God proves his faithfulness through you guys over and over and over. If you look back over the last 15 years, he's done it over and over and over. If we'll just humble ourselves, pray, God, what do you want? You want peace on earth? I'm seeking your face. I'm laying down something to pick up something better. You want me to bring peace on earth? I can be a part of that with you? He's like, yeah. I want to be a part of it, don't you? Let's pray. So God, you're, you're so good. And Christmas is just one more example of your goodness. I, I do, Lord, I, I do wish I could get in some time machine and go back 2,000 years and be in that field and those shepherds kind of split the sky and went, it's happening right now over in that little town. And I would love to have run over to that little town and goes, there he is. I see him. And God, I'd like to think that I followed him over the next 33 years and then I looked up on a cross and I said, I see him. And I'll follow him anywhere. But the next time I see you, Jesus, face to face, you won't be a baby in a manger and you won't, you won't be a sacrifice on a cross. You'll, you'll be king. So we celebrate Christmas because it's the arrival of the king. We started this by singing, go tell it on the mountain. And we're going to end this by saying, we'll shout it. And we'll sing it till the whole world knows how good you are. Because the world is desperate for goodness and hope and peace. And we're your people. And we want to partner with you to bring peace on earth. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.